grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I bring you greetings first of all from President Steve Turner who helps to guide and serve Iowa District West and you and the 175 other congregations all across western Iowa that work together for the extension of the good news of great joy beginning right in our communities, extending all across our state, country, and even around the world. The text for this morning's message is taken from the first book in the New Testament, that's the second half of the Bible, the book of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. And if you've brought your own Bible with you or you've got your uh, smartphone or tablet that has the Bible app on it, I invite you to turn to that and we will work our way through that this morning in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and through 16. This time I invite you to bow your heads and join me in a word of prayer. Gracious God. We thank you for the invitation to be present with you this morning. I pray that you would guide the words that I share in our entire time in worship, that every single person here and all those who are listening will know without a doubt and believe that they have been forgiven and saved through Jesus Christ, but that it doesn't stop there, that your Holy Spirit will work in their hearts and use them to bring that good news to others, that they too might believe and live the abundant life in Jesus Christ, both now and for all of eternity. In Christ's saving and gracious name we pray, amen. I should also uh, kind of explain to you a little bit, uh, my preaching style is a little bit different perhaps, it might be different from what you're accustomed to with Pastor Caldall. Uh, sometimes I don't stay in the pulpit, I tend to wander, perhaps just from nervous energy or whatever, and a lot of times too I like to ask questions, and when I ask questions in my message, you know what I'm waiting for? An answer, yeah, just like that. You guys got this. So maybe to help us, let's begin with a real simple one. In fact, I tell you what, to really give you added encouragement, I've even got a prize for you. I'll give you the first person to have the correct response and answer will get this cross, okay? Now, I know you might have 10 people at one time, so you just have to accept what I decide who would be given to. Put your hand up if you know the answer when I ask the question. The question is simply this. Who is the light of the world? Okay, did you hear what the answer was? It was Jesus. Yeah, that's a good church answer, right? It's always Jesus. Now, how many of you, let me see the show of hands, how many of you agree with that answer, that Jesus Christ is the light of the world? Fantastic. Looks like just about everybody's got their hands up, Pastor. And I hope that you're doing that because you honestly believe that. And it's not just because of peer pressure. You look, gosh, everybody else has their hand up. I guess I better put mine up, too. That you rejoice this morning again because you know without a doubt that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Now, why do you say that? Because the Bible says so, exactly. He said, I am the light of, this is Jesus speaking, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Wow, and don't we need to hear that? Because there's a lot of darkness in our world, isn't there? In fact, what are some of those things that you can think of that maybe your friends have to deal with or that threatens to bring darkness into their life? What can bring darkness into a person's life? Just shout it out. I don't have to call on you. What was that? Depression? Cancer? Addictions, death, 
We, we, we could go on and on. We could talk about financial challenges and struggles, relationships, you know, health problems. And over all of these, we haven't even mentioned the one that afflicts every single one of us, sin. Yeah. Which is why it is such a joy to be able to come into God's presence here this morning and to be reminded again of that good news, that He has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light because we are not immune from that darkness that comes into our life. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But let me ask you this. If, if we come together this morning and we celebrate the good news that because of the cross of Jesus Christ, which we display so prominently, we have forgiveness, we have life, we have salvation. We know that God is going to bring us, as we heard in the Old Testament lesson, through every difficulty that we encounter. We know that even when death strikes, we can have eternal life in heaven forever. Now, for whom did Jesus Christ die? What was that? For everyone. Exactly. As we read in 1 John 2, He, talking about Jesus Christ, is the atoning sacrifice. In other words, we have forgiveness not simply because God is a nice guy and says, oh yeah, I'll forgive you, but because that sin has been paid for through the death of Jesus Christ. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's why this morning, I really want to talk about the fact that as important as that answer is, that you know and believe that Jesus Christ is the light of the world for you, there's another answer that is just as important. And to really understand that, I want to go before the words of our text, go back to the very beginning of Matthew chapter 5. So if you've got your Bibles, go back to the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. And Matthew chapters 5 through 7 are often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And does anybody know why we call it the Sermon on the Mount? It's not a difficult question. Because, yeah, Jesus gave a sermon on a mountain. How original, right? So we got this sermon on the mount that Jesus is going to deliver. And at the beginning of chapter 5, we read this. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. And guess what's coming next? The sermon. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Now, his disciples, those are the people that are following him, right? Those are the people that believe in him, that are trusting him. His disciples came to him. And he, that is Jesus, opened his mouth and he taught them. Now, who is Jesus teaching? His disciples, right. And he said to them, you, now going to the words of our text, you, who's he talking to? His disciples, those who follow him, those who believe in him. You are the light of the world. Now, let me ask you again. Who is the light of the world? Yeah, not only Jesus, but also you and I. His disciples today, those who follow Him, those who believe in Him, those who are seeking to live as He desires them to do, to become more and more like Jesus Christ. Now, before we get a big head and we start walking around and go, Yeah, man, hey, dear, did you know that I'm the light of the world? You know, I can just see how my wife would respond if I went home and told her that. As true as it may be, it has nothing to do with us. Can I have that back for a minute, please? <laughs> I'll give it back. Don't worry. It's just like this cross that I was talking to the children about, right? Remember when I set it under the light on the table next to my bed, it glowed. Why did it glow? And I don't need a big, long scientific answer, which I wouldn't understand anyways. But 
it absorbed the light from the light and just reflected or put that back out. Exactly. That's why it has nothing to do with us and everything to do with Jesus Christ. There you go. See, I told you I'd give it back. You and I are the light of the world because God's love and grace and mercy has shown into our hearts, and now we simply reflect it out to others. For at one time, Paul says, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. That's why we can refer to ourselves as the light of the world. It's because of Jesus Christ. And look at our text as it continues and tells us why. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. That's the purpose of a light, to shine, right? To give light. Now, why does Jesus, and, and remember that children's song? This little gospel light of mine. What are we going to do? Yeah, we're going to let it shine. The very first words of God, trivia piece. Do you remember what they were? In Genesis chapter 1, open book if you got it, but take a guess. Let there be light. And he is still saying the same thing today. Let there be light. Why? Look at verse 16 of our text. In the same way. Let your light shine before others. In other words, let that light, that love, that grace, that mercy, that peace that we have received from God, let that be reflected. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Those are the things that we do out of faith in order to serve God and to serve our neighbor and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In other words, they're going to understand why we're living the way that we are. Because either we or someone else has explained to them because it's of our faith in Jesus Christ, because of God's love for us. And they then come to believe and are praising God as a result of that. That's why you and I are here. I have, my wife doesn't like to hear this, but I, I tell people over and over again, you know, the best thing that could happen to me right now would be to keel over and die. Now, why do I say that? Because if I keel over and die, what's that mean for me? I'm in heaven, and it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, pure joy all the time. It's not so good for my wife and those who maybe grieve the fact that I'm not physically present with them anymore. But how many, let me see the hands, how many of you are dead? Okay, just a little test to see if you're still awake with me this morning. We're all still alive, right? Even though the best thing that Jesus could do for us would be to take us home to heaven, he says, no, not yet. I've got work for you to do. Even Luther realized that. That's why he talks about the fact that the best thing would be that once we are baptized and come to faith would be to, to die and go to heaven. But Luther says he lets us live here in order that we may lead other people to believe by letting our light shine and sharing the good news of great joy with them. You see, wherever you and I go tomorrow, whether it's at home, whether it's in our neighborhood, whether it's at the workplace, whether it's at school, whether it's at the coffee shop, wherever it may be, we let our light shine. We are God's little missionaries meant to bring His grace and His truth into their lives and into their presence. It might be that classmate that's alienated by everybody else in the, in the class. 
It might be a neighbor that who is suffering through a, a, a difficult and a broken down relationship. It might be someone grieving a loved one. It might be someone overwhelmed with guilt, thinking that God couldn't possibly love them. And we get to come alongside them and reflect God's grace, His love, and His mercy. And the older that I get, the more I realize that this really doesn't have to be complicated. I mean, every one of us can begin the process by loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Let me share a story with you. One time I was, I was preaching on missions at one of our district congregations, and after I got done, you know, this, this, this mature woman in a walker comes down the center aisle, and she comes up to me and she goes, Pastor Mark, can I share my story with you? And I said, sure, I love to hear stories. Her name was Ruth. It's not my wife. But her name was Ruth, and she comes up to me and she said, well, I love to bake. Got anybody, anybody here that loves to bake? Okay, Ooh, got a few hands up. She says, well, one day I'm in the kitchen and I'm baking chocolate chip cookies. And as I'm, you know, cleaning up a little bit, the last batch is in the oven and I'm washing dishes, you know, and I'm looking out the window and I'm talking to God. I said, God, you know, God, help me, help me find a place where I can really serve you. And as soon as she gets done saying that, the school bus pulls up outside and these three kids get off of it that had just moved into the community. Light bulb goes off. Now, what do you suppose, on average, most little kids really like? Chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, that's why I'm just a little kid, just a little bit bigger. Chocolate chip cookies. And so she goes to the door. She hollers out to them. And she says, hey, would you like some chocolate chip cookies that I just baked? And what do you suppose they did, said? Yeah, they came running over, even though they didn't know her. And she brought the chocolate chip cookies that were still warm, you know, to them. And then she brought them a glass of milk. You know, it was great. And they're talking. She's introducing herself. And she said, well, thanks for coming over and sharing my chocolate chip cookies with me. And then they left. Next day, the bus comes, drops them off, and she does the very same thing. And she said, it got to the point, Pastor, where the school bus would come, drop those kids off, and they would come running to the house, and they wouldn't even knock. They'd open the door and say, Ruth, we're here. Where are the cookies? And she said, I loved it. And I never let them leave without giving them a hug and telling them that I loved them and that Jesus loved them too. Well, it's getting near the end of school. Summer's coming. And what do you suppose... Most churches offer in the summer sometime. Vacation Bible school. So she comes to them and she said, would you like to come to vacation Bible school? And of course, they had no idea what that was. And she said, oh, you'll hear all about this Jesus who loves you and they'll have cookies. And so they said, sure. And they went to VBS every year, well, to, every day. Well, to make a long story short, those three children and their mom were baptized and joined our Lutheran church in that community. And it all started with a chocolate chip cookie. So my question for you is, what is your chocolate chip cookie? What is it that you maybe really have a passion for, really enjoy, really love, and some simple way that you can use that to begin to make a connection with others? And to show God's grace and His love to them. And to begin to, to build a relationship with these individuals. Because you see, that's why God has us here. To be the light of the world. 
And it's not just us as individuals, but he brings us into this congregation, doesn't he? He's got First English Spencer right here in this place at this time so you can let the light of Jesus Christ shine out into this community. You know, I looked up the statistics and in Clay County, I got the right county, didn't I? Clay County. Clay County, over 30% of the people in Clay County, that's over 5,000 people, are not in worship typically on an average weekend. It's over 5,000 people living right around you who don't regularly go to church. You have the opportunity to let your light shine. That they might come to know the love of Jesus Christ, especially that He is their Savior from sin, death, and Satan. And I commend your congregation for desiring to host this workshop this afternoon where we're going to be coming together and kind of throwing out some ideas and talking about how can we continue to strengthen our congregation? How can we go out into our community? Where is there darkness where we can let the love of Jesus Christ shine? Because... Again, it's not just one person at a time. It's all of us together as well, working to let Christ be known. I'll share one more story with you. Isn't he a cutie? I think part of the reason I like this story because he reminds me of my grandson with red hair who's about the same age. This is Dighton. Dighton Logalbo, a three-year-old boy when this happened about a year ago, lives up in a rural town in Wisconsin. And it was fall, harvest time. And their house was, I think, right on the edge of town with a cornfield all around it. And so late in the afternoon, he goes outside with his mom. His mom's working in the garden. And three-year-old Dighton, you know, is playing around outside or whatever. Mom's busy, whatever she was doing in the garden. And it's starting to get dark. And so she gets up and says, okay, Dighton. Dighton. No response. She doesn't see him anywhere. So, you know. You know how moms are. They starts to get a little, little anxious about this and starts calling out a little louder, Dighton, 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 where are you? Dighton, come. And she does that for a couple of minutes and there's no response and she can't find him anywhere. So she's panicking. She gets out her phone. She calls 911. She tells them that her three-year-old son is missing. She can't find him and what's happened. And pretty soon the sheriff is out there and they got drones out there. They got dogs out there. And, and they got hundreds if not thousands of people because the word spreads quickly in a small community. And they're all walking through the cornfields looking for Dighton. You know, the corn was over seven feet tall. It was a good year for them. No sign of Dighton. And one of the ways that they were getting the word out was through the radio, local radio station. There's a man by the name of Tom who is sitting at home with his wife and the announcer comes on and he talks about three-year-old Dighton Logalbo that is missing and they're looking for volunteers to come help find him. And he turns to his wife and he asks, you think they need any more volunteers still? And his wife, and maybe this is a reminder to us guys that maybe we should listen to our wives at times. His wife just wisely turned to him and she said, well, let me ask you this. If it was your son, how many people would you want looking for him? So Tom went. And ironically, Tom, after 20 hours of searching, was the one who found young Dighton. He was all right. He was cold and he was a little scared, but he was all right. And can you imagine the relief of mom and dad? You see... That's why First English Spencer is here. Because God wants all of His children to come here to worship, to come to Bible class and the like, not just for themselves so we can go home and feel good about what God's done for us, 
but you come here to be equipped and prepared so that you can be sent out into that mission field to seek and to save the lost for whom Jesus Christ died. And think of the celebration that we can have along with the angels in heaven whenever they are found. This little gospel light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. But you know what? There's that verse in the song also that goes some, there's different variations to it, but there's, you know, that one verse that goes, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. But I have. There have been many times where I've kept that light hidden under a bushel. And you know what? I bet you have also. But that's where we can be reminded again of what we have come to celebrate this morning, that we are forgiven. We're still loved. And we are empowered and equipped to be sent out and to find and save the lost. Let your light shine. On your way out of church this morning, Everybody's going to receive a little card like this. It simply says, the challenge, whom will you share your light with today? And I want you to take this home and stick it in your Bible or stick it on your mirror in your bathroom or on your dashboard of your car, someplace where you're going to see it regularly so it can remind you of the fact that you are the light of the world and to let it shine that many more might come to have that abundant life in Jesus Christ. In His name. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which truly does go beyond all understanding, continue to guard and keep your hearts and minds trusting in and rejoicing in Jesus Christ, your Savior. Amen.